0: The wait is over.
1: Ladies and gentlemen, from the studios
0: in the wrestling capital of the South, it's another terrific episode of The Binge Buster Show. Please welcome your host, Tony Binge.
1: All right, everyone, welcome to The Binge binge Buster show i hope everyone has had a tremendous week like i have i am uh, just getting back from vacation i had a quick little trip down to beautiful charleston south carolina this past weekend was there a few days with the family and tr- well went down to soak up some sun but uh, unfortunately there wasn't much sun down there it was a little uh little cloudy but it was still fun uh it's still nice to relax and uh and uh you know, take a breath. So, uh, But we're back with this week with another hot edition of the Bench Buster Show. Uh, as everyone knows, if you don't know me by now, you're going to learn uh, The my favorite decade of my life was always the 80s. And so I thought this week's show, we're going to break down one of the, what I think, one of the best years of the 80s, 1987. Uh, I'm going to be bringing on... My, uh, my my co-host my cohort I'm talking about Mr. Chris Plano we're gonna bring him on here in a second and uh, and and break this podcast out and hopefully teach so, some of you people some stuff and maybe some of you people might go wow I didn't know that happened in 87 but uh, I've done my research I know Chris has done his and you fans are gonna be blown away so without any further ado I'm gonna bring on my co-host right now Mr. Chris Plano Chris. Welcome to the Binge Buster Show, man. What is going on?
0: Tony, man, thank you for having me back. I, I love talking to you every Wednesday night. We're on here, and, and we're, we're, we're talking everything happening in the world, and I'm so envious and jealous you were down in one of my favorite cities this past week, Charleston, South Carolina. You went down to Folly Beach and saw the sights and sounds, caught some great weather, and uh, um, Brother, I, I I'm I'm jealous. I was, wish I was down there there with you, but it, it sounds like you and the family had a great time.
1: Man, it it was it was so cool. You know, my uh, my wife and son had, had went down there a few weeks earlier. Um, with you know with with my with my mother in law, and uh, they uh, went down to um uh to, to Charleston, and uh, they 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 went to this really cool uh, uh place uh, where uh you you could go see see some of the the battleships, um and uh and so uh. So while we were down there, our plan this week was just to go stay on the beach and just relax and, and, and take, it, uh, take it easy. But my son, who is five years old and probably one of the biggest patriotic dudes that you'll ever meet, uh, he was like, hey, Mom, we need to take my dad down to Patriots Point, which blew my mind that he actually knew the name. But he did. And he goes, uh, you know, let's uh, let's uh, take Dad down there. and I'll show him around. <laughs> so, so we we our last day there before we came back, uh, we uh, we went down to Patriots Point, and man, Chris, have you ever been there, Patriots Point?
0: I, I've never been to Patriots Point. I, I've heard of it, never, never been. Um, but. It sounds it sounds interesting. Sounds great. Oh it, man, you had a good time.
1: Yeah, it was great. I mean they they have like a battleship that uh that you can go walk on, uh, and then of course they had this humongous um carrier ship you know for the for the for the jets and you can go on there and go to the top of it and see uh, some of the 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 airplanes and helicopters that have actually been used in actual wars, um, which blew my mind because uh, they they had one of the choppers there from uh, Operation. Uh, desert storm uh which i thought was 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 really cool um you know and uh i'm i'm definitely into uh into history and so i thought that was that was really cool and uh, i was excited to you know to actually see that and um and then of course uh you know uh we, we done that and chilled out and then we came home and and now i'm back to reality back to work and and uh back to the podcast man
0: yeah, you, you probably wish you were back down there, but man, it's such a city, so great and in, in, in enriched, entrenched in, in Southern history, great food and restaurants down there as well, and I know you went over the Ravenel Bridge, and I mean, just so many great little towns around Charleston, you know, Mount Pleasant, Isle of Palms, Folly Beach, I mean, you, you name it, I mean, this great, great jewel in in the south to to go visit and uh and if you haven't been there you you have to go and if you've already been you got to go back again so i I, i'm so happy i need to get back down there it's been a couple of years for me
1: yeah it's definitely great matter of fact chris we, we love it so much we've already we've already booked it we're going back the, the week of, of, of july 4th we're gonna be down there for the whole week and uh we're you know we're uh, my uh, my wife has booked this uh, little private uh uh little tour that we're gonna get on this boat and go like seven miles out in the ocean and watch fireworks like folly beach is gonna be like the only place uh there in south carolina from what our, our tour guy told us this past week um because of all the COVID nineteen, all, all the fireworks have shut down. So this little bitty island, Folly Beach, has um has, yeah. has has actually took over all the fireworks, and they're gonna be shooting them off this little private island. Uh, so so we so that, that's what we're gonna do. We're gonna take a little boat, go out, you know, ten miles or eight miles, wherever it is, out in the middle of the ocean, watch fireworks, and man, it's, it's gonna be a good time. I'm excited. I can't wait to do it. Uh, it's gonna be a lot of fun for sure.
0: Yeah, ab- absolutely. Um, yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm speechless. I'm jealous, but uh, um, hey, uh, off there, I'll, I'll even throw a couple of tips of some restaurants, some guys I know that work down there, and uh, as well as you to check out some some good uh, some good southern shrimp and grits and everything else they're serving up down there. It's just a great place to be, and uh, um, you know. It, it's always nice to go down there and just kind of escape and get away.
1: Yeah, I'm, I'm excited. I, can, I definitely can't wait for it. Well, fans, uh, stay tuned. We're going to take a little quick commercial break. And when we come back, the benchbuster Show is talking 1987. Want to get your event or business advertised around the world? Then let The Binge Buster Show advertise for you. We offer a weekly show that is broadcast over all major podcast platforms, including iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, iHeartRadio, YouTube, and much more. We offer five levels of advertising to fit any budget. So don't hesitate. Let The Binge Buster Show work for you. For information, contact us on our Facebook page at The Binge Buster Show. We look forward to helping you and your business grow. Strap yourself in because we're set up, switched on, and ready to go. All right, everyone, welcome back to the Binge Buster Show. Chris and I are going to be talking about our one of our favorite things in the world. I'm talking about the '80s, and uh, 1987 is the year that we're talking about this week. Chris, tell us about your memories if you like me and have any uh, from 1987. Wow, Tony,
0: I was, uh, uh, gosh, 1987, I, w- I was a, I was a kid in high school up in Guilford, Connecticut, right outside of New Haven, Connecticut, and, and <laughs> 16 years old, and got my first job at, at Friendly's Restaurant. When I turned 16, my parents told me to go get a job, and I was a short order cook back then, and, you know, a sophomore going into my junior year in high school, and, uh, Boy, it was an exciting time. I mean, it was an exciting time for me. I think it, it was an awesome time to be in high school with um, all the 80s rock music that was happening. I, I went to high school from 85 to 89, and it was just incredible with the, the glam metal and, you know, Bon Jovi up that way with, like, gigantic off the oh, Jersey album and, and everything else. And just a great time to be around even professional wrestling and, and just pop culture in, in, in general, I think the late 80s has a special place in, in my heart.
1: Yeah, definitely. So, I, you know, I remember in 87, I was in middle school. And, you know, middle school is, is, is like that. It's, it's that time in school where you're kind of learning yourself. You're learning your style. You're, 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 you're kind of coming into your own. And, you know, 87 was like, um, was I believe my seventh grade year, uh, maybe eighth, um, but uh, seventh. And I remember my my mullet was really coming in at that time, and the girls were like, "Man, Tony, you got a you got a you got some cool hair, man!" and and I was like, "Yeah, okay, thanks," you know, because I was still you know, terrific. Tony hadn't he he hadn't made his appearance yet, if you know what I mean. But I was still. You know, like I said, le- learning my style, but but I knew, you know, I liked I liked pro wrestling and I liked Motley Crew and and so I was I was starting, you know, to, to 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 get my gimmick, so to speak, as you say. But um, but but looking back in 1987 compared to now, man, it, it blows my mind because like back in '87, the cost, the average cost of a new ho- of a new home, you know, was like ninety two thousand dollars. OK, which 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 is crazy. The average income per year household was like twenty four thousand dollars. Again, you know, that blows my mind. But here's the thing that that I wish we could go back in time. Okay, that the average monthly rent or or house payment was like three hundred ninety five bucks. I mean, Chris, could you imagine how much fun we could have today if if our house payments could be that cheap?
0: Tony, we'd be on vacation every weekend. <laughs> I think if our house payment was that cheap, but yes, sir. Boy, those are some staggering, staggering numbers. But uh, um, but gosh, you know, we, you know, grew up at that time. Um, uh, you, you know, I, you know, grew up, in, you know, strict Italian family. My parents were always so good to me and my younger is a couple years younger than me, and um, you know, would 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 never even know that. And uh, um, but but always did right by us and always made sure we were having a good time and, and, and you know growing up well and and some of this stuff my parents partaked in that we're talking about and it was like kind of mind-blowing to them as well
1: yeah and and you know uh speaking of that Chris uh, one other thing I want to touch on you know be uh before we, we we move on to the pop culture but um in in 1987 a dozen of eggs was 65 cents gas was wow. gas was 89 cents a gallon but that was in 87 but i remember when i got my driver's license in like i don't know 90 89 90 um gas had dropped down because i remember uh, paying 79 cents a gallon for gas and 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 uh, i'll tell you a funny story um you know i've always had champagne taste with water money or Pepsi blue you know what beer money whatever are gonna say but, um, right. but I, but I remember, you know, my, my dad was like one of those, you know, tough love kind of guys and, you know, which I appreciate because, because he, he taught me, you know, it grew me to be the, the man I am today. But like a lot of my friends were like, their parents were buying them whatever car they wanted, you know? So a lot of my friends uh, that in, in, uh, back then we're, we're, getting like that new 1989 90, uh, Camaro RS, you know, I rock Z, you know? And so, yeah. I told my dad I was like, "Dad, you know, all my friends are getting, you know, these Camaros, but you know, that that, is, that isn't what that, that you know, that isn't what I want, okay? I want a, I want a Corvette." And and my dad, he never said no and he never said yes. He said, "Is that right?" And I said, "Yes, sir. That's right. That's what I want." And he said, <laughs> hey, he said, "Okay." He says, "Uh what about where where you know, uh where where are you working?" I'm like, well, I don't have a job yet. He goes, well, I'll tell you what. You get a job, and then we'll uh, talk about a Corvette. So by him saying that, I'm thinking to myself, okay, all I got to do is go get a job, and Dad's going to go buy me this Corvette, right? So uh, mm-hmm. so anyway, long story short, one day, you know, I'm sitting at the house, and Dad's like, hey, uh, you want to um, skip school today? And I'm, I'm like thinking to myself, is this is, is he setting me up for something? Is this a trick question? Mm-hmm. You know, and I'm like, uh, sure, Dad, I'll stay home. So I go back in my room, and I pull out my Nintendo, and I'm playing, you know, Super Mario Brothers. And uh, Dad comes and says, well, uh, hey, Tone, I'm going to take a ride. You want to go with me? Uh, nah, I'm going to sit here and play my Nintendo. He's like, okay. So he leaves. And let me rewind this. So by this time, I had gotten my first job working at A&P. Uh, grocery store there, yeah. there in Thomasville, oh, yeah. Yeah. And, uh, so now I've got my job, right. And, uh, so dad leaves and he's gone, he's gone for hours, you know, back then there's no cell phone. You can't call, Hey, where you at? So I just keep playing that, <laughs> you know, I'm just playing my Nintendo. I get my drum kit out, I'm playing some Motley Crue, whatever. And then next thing I know, dad walks in and, uh, well, before he walks in, I, I hear this horn blow. Now at the time, my, my dad had like a, a Buick Park Avenue and, uh, and so I hear this horn blow, and it's like a high pitch horn, nee nee, you know. And I'm like, "Who's blowing the horn?" You know. So I look outside, and Chris, here is this ugly brown and gold Chevette, not Corvette, but Chevette. And I'm like, "Who in the hell is that?" You know. So I open the door, and it's my dad gets out, and he's got the smile on his face, like like he just won the lottery. And I said, "Dad, whose car is that?" And he goes, huh, that's yours. I said, that ain't mine. I ain't driving that thing. And uh, he go, and he says, you told me you wanted a vet. Here's your vet. And I'm like, no, here's your vet. I want a Cor- no, a Corvette, not a Chevette. But but uh, you know, after I got the car, you know, and and of course, and and Dad told me, you know, because his friend owned the car dealership. He said, okay, your mother and I went down. We we made the down payment. Now my my dad could have paid cash for this car, but it was his it, it was it was his way of teaching me responsibility. He says, "Uh, I, I made the down payment on this car, so you, you you'll go each week and you'll make your monthly right. payment of twenty three dollars and fifty cent to to my <laughs> to my friend." He goes, "And I told him if you miss one payment, to come and get it, and you ain't getting it back, and I ain't buying another car, and you'll ride the school bus." I'm like, "Okay," but you know, at that time, I, I didn't realize it. But I realize that now. My dad was teaching me responsibility. He was teaching me lessons, and you know, and so I, I right. try, I, you know, now I try to do the same thing for my kids because I think that's, you know, not not trying to get too political on the show because we're definitely not political. Um, but right. I think that one of the reasons, one of the problems with a lot of kids today is, but the parents don't do that. The parents hand them whatever they want, and they don't have to right. earn anything. And then once they get out in the real world, they feel like everybody. You know hands them everything they get you know it's crazy but but so dad i know you're in heaven but thank you for teaching me that but um but i you know i, I didn't mean to get on that on, I, yeah i didn't didn't mean to get off on a ramble but i just wanted to share that because yeah. i thought it was funny because it because when, when i heard this 89 cent it reminded me when i had my license it was 79 cent and i could fill up that chevette for 10 bucks and drive for two weeks on it and it was just great great times but but speaking of cars in 1987, Chris, do you know what the number one selling car was?
0: Boy, in 87. Ooh, God. Um, and
1: it was a cheap car, too, but it was number one selling car. I'm
0: going to say, well, I'm probably going to be wrong, but the first car that I ever bought was a 1989 Ford Escort. So I'm going to go with the Escort or the Ford, but I'm probably wrong. But I'll, I'm going to go with a Ford.
1: So is uh, is is so is Ford Escort your final answer?
0: I'm going to go final answer just because I'm in love. With, I think I'm still in love with the first car I ever bought in my life. So I'm going to go final answer Ford Escort.
1: You are exactly right, Chris in 1987 Oh my
0: god. You're not kidding. Yes. <laughs> oh my god. I'm telling
1: you. Hey, that, that's amazing. But yeah, in 1987, the number one selling car was a Ford Escort and you could buy a brand new one for like 6800 bucks.
0: Well, Tony, I, I this is a true story and I had no idea you were going to ask me that question at all. <laughs> that's I bought great. my first car in 1990. It was an 89 Ford Escort that this guy was selling, I bought it a year, it was a year old,
1: and oh, I wow. bought it
0: for like, it was like $2,400 I bought it for, and I, I paid for it, My I saved up my money mm-hmm. working part-time at Friendly's for several years, and paid for it, and that was my first car my freshman year in college.
1: You uh, and, uh, yeah, you you can't. Back in those days, man, you cannot beat. I mean, I, I remember going to the dealerships, you know, with my dad, and uh, you know, Ford Escorts were everywhere. It's like everybody was buying them, you know, and and then they came out with the Ford Escort GT, which was, which was really a cool looking car.
0: Right, but that was a huge seller for Ford. I mean, that was huge. It was economical. Yeah. It was great gas miles back then, gas was cheap. Um, you know, I, I, kind of, I I don't like to compare other companies, but it was just, it was a reliable car and people were buying American. I mean, they were buying American back then. So it was, you know, it was, you know, and, and for Ford, that was the economical car for people to get on the road. And, and I'll tell you, I had, it it crushed me when I sold that car. I think I had that car for about, gosh, I want to say maybe 10, at least 10 years, probably 12 years. And I, I finally sold it because I bought obviously bought another car, but that was my first car, and and uh, it was a Ford Escort two door hatchback, and boy that thing got me everywhere. I mean it got me everywhere. It was reliable, mm-hmm. and you know and, um, I'll never forget it. I, it was a black Ford Escort, and it was a, <laughs> it, it it fitted me perfectly. It was automatic, and. Um, all right, hey, I'm,
1: I'm glad I got your, your, your trivia. <laughs> yeah, you're right, right on the money, right there. So I thought, yeah, that that that's definitely that's definitely awesome. Um, all right, well, let's now get into the pop culture uh, of 1987. There's so much to talk about, and I and I know you know I've got tons of notes here. We can't hit them all. But um, but but we're definitely going to try our best to hit you know the, the 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 most popular ones and and hopefully educate some of our listeners that that may have forgotten or didn't know about some of these these cool things that happened uh, in 1987. Now there there was a guy there there was there was this voice okay that was really popular that came out in 1987 and was was pushing the envelope when it when it when it came to to cartoons um, and. Uh, and when uh, you uh, hear hear this clip that I'm about to play, Chris, I know that you can put yourself in this guy's shoes because I know I've been there plenty of times. You've uh, got a female telling you something, and you're like, "No, I'm not." And then when she tells it to you in that voice, you 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 actually agree with her. Oh yeah, you're right. And and so here it is, right here. Check this out, guys. Yes, you are. You're bad, and I like it. I'm bad to the bone, honey. <laughs> So, <laughs> <laughs> that's bad to the bone right there i'm talking about bart simpson fans the simpsons came out uh they made their debut in 1987 and it was an instant hit and you know the simpsons has been long running ever since 1987 and uh they have uh pushed the envelope a lot of the times but man I, I was doing research i came across i forgot about that episode and um uh, you know, and what can I say, Chris? Am I right or am I wrong? Can can, can a woman's voice not make you say the darnest things?
0: Man, I'm I'm telling you, when you just hit the note, I knew what the song was.
1: <laughs> exactly.
0: <laughs> uh, I, I, I mean, that song relates, I think, to any guy. Oh yeah. To the back to the bone, or even uh, you know that 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 song even somewhat correlates me with thin lizzie when the boys are back in town
1: yeah (laughs) Mm -hmm. yeah
0: there's just certain songs out there that can resonate with any guy and if it doesn't resonate with you as a a guy then you got to check yourself at the mirror i think
1: yeah yeah you would check your man card uh now (laughs) 1987 brought us a lot of 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 major news major scandals major movies Mm -hmm. and major um albums um, some some of the ones I want to touch on, you know, like I said, uh, the Simpsons made their uh, television debut in 1987. The big news the, the big the big news scandal was the scandal of televangelist Jim Baker and his affair with Jessica Hahn. Chris, do you do you remember much about that at all?
0: I I do um, I I do yes obviously it was in you know it was in the nightly news back then when you tuned in you know back in 87, there wasn't 24 hour news. I mean, like what right. we see today with, with Fox news and MSNBC and CNN. Uh, but yes, I do remember that. Um, yeah. I mean, it was a, it was a scandal of, of all scandals and Jim Baker, there was religion involved. I mean, you got a, there was a myriad of things involved, but that's, you know, they were kind of springboarding off of cable television, and, and things were going national then. Um, and it was just a crazy, crazy time. But the eighties were kind of like the decade of decadence as well. So <laughs> yeah,
1: kind of, I was kind of about to. It with the yeah, I was about to say that. I mean, the 80, eighty-seven, I think, was uh, it was starting to really blow up because, like you said, now cable uh, cable television was getting big. MTV was already big and not only were they playing um, music videos, but now at this point MTV was like actually having like, you know, certain specials, um, the MTV Mm -hmm. music awards. So, so now you're like actually getting to see these, these, um, these, uh, musicians and artists perform. uh, And of course the, the videos were getting more and more over the top. And now you're, you're starting to hear, you know, this this rock star done this, and Madonna said that. And Michael Jackson is wearing this kind of thing, or whatever. So it was always something uh, that that, right. that that got your attention, that kept them, you know, in the spotlight. Um, and and as far as movies go, I mean, in '87 we had some tremendous, tremendous uh, films uh, came out. And you know, Chris, one of the things that I remember the most about the '80s is it seemed like everything that came out was a hit. Like movies were great. Music was great. Yeah. Television shows were great. Um, and just to kind of give you an example of what we're talking about, um, in 87, RoboCop came out. And, I mean, what 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 uh, that was like a tremendous film. Um, Lethal Weapon. Uh, and, of course, one of my all-time favorites was Robin Williams. Good morning, Vietnam. <laughs> you remember that show? <laughs> that was a great movie.
0: <laughs> yes, I, I do. I do. Yeah, there was a lot of, you know, the I, I think, the reason why everything kind of exploded in the '80s, there was a lot of technology going on, um, not just in the music scene, but just in movies as well, and animation, and 3D, and you had just a lot of different things going on. And um, you know, and I, it seemed like no matter what you put out there, it, it was going to be a hit, or they were going to have a run at it. And there was just a lot, of, there was a lot of different things, and even you know, the movies were evolving. You had closed circuit television. Then you started having pay per views, and and, and it just it was just a lot of and this cable television. Everyone was just cashing in on it because that's how people were getting their information back then. Yeah, and that's how you were feeding them, and 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 they were buying it at the end of the day, and and that was their entertainment.
1: Yeah, and then uh, of course to kind of finish out our our pulp culture edition of this show, um, you. Can't leave out the music. I mean, music of nineteen eighty-seven no. was it was tremendous. I mean, Michael Jackson. You know, he, he had the you know, in eighty-three. He came out with Thriller, and that 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 album blew up, and it was tremendous. And everybody thought, okay, Michael Jackson can't top Thriller. But then he re, kind of reinvented himself a little bit. Uh, started mm-hmm. getting a little, you know, a little, little little to the right there a little bit. But uh, but he came out with the album Bad. And immediately, I mean, as so, soon as soon as "Bad" was released, it shot right up the you know right up the charts. Um, then, then, then of course, you had Janet Jackson come out. Um, um, Whitney Houston came out, and you know she had right. her, her big hit "I Want to Dance with Somebody." Uh, yeah. But, but, but I think one of the things that that like like if we look we look at it today, we're like pfft, no big deal. But in '87, this was a big deal. Uh, when when uh, George Michael. Uh, Left Wham and went solo. Um, He came out with a song called I Want Your Sex. And I remember watching MTV, and they actually had an an 800 number that you could call in and vote if you really wanted to see this video on MTV because they were talking about banning it just because it said the word sex. And it was very, uh, you know, a a very revealing type video. Um, And but but in today's world, it would be like, no big deal. But back in 87, it was a huge deal, you know?
0: Yeah, oh, absolutely. Oh, yeah. I mean, you're talking now, you know, and George Michael was pushing the envelope at that time. And talk about a risk, breaking away from wham, very successful yeah. at what he was doing and then going um, and then also came out with faith that year as, as well. Yeah, that yeah. Also, as a matter of fact, uh, I know, want
1: when, your sex was one of the was one of the singles off of the faith album, if I remember, right?
0: Right. Absolutely. And you know, uh, you know, I, I don't know at that time how many people you know knew George michael was was, was gay or, right you know yeah. or at that or at that time, it was really hidden back then. I mean, no one comes out today like they are today you know, in the LGBTQ community and and, and things, people are more open, you know, back then it was very much a a closet type of, you know, personal situation or lifestyle that they were living. But, hey, he threw himself out there. George Michael (laughs) made a ton of money in the music industry and and, and knew how to do it at a time in the 80s where you had Madonna out there as well and several others just doing some different things, but he, he knew how to do it.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And that, that's for sure. And, and speaking of music, I mean, we, we, we had some tremendous, um, albums, uh, come out. And of course in 87, Chris, our favorite genre of music, hair metal, rock and roll, uh, bands, Bon Jovi, Poison, Motley Crue, Aerosmith. I mean, those guys were ruling the, the airwaves of music and MTV and, um, and I, and, I, and and Chris in 1987 which which song was was the most uh mo, most most popular song of 87 For me personally? No, I, I mean as far as your, your your research goes, which which album uh or, or which which song was like number 1 for 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 a lot of weeks in 87?
0: I mean, you got I, I got to say when when I, when I'm looking at all of 87, it has to be it's Bon Jovi Living on a Prayer.
1: Yeah, that um, that was a huge it, it, hit. It
0: was five weeks at number one. Um, I, I, I mean, they were just on fire at, at that time, and this song just resonated. It, you know, I'm living on a prayer. You know, John Bon Jovi had you know numerous hits by then. Yeah. Um, it, you know, from a rock standpoint, I mean, he, five weeks at number one.
1: Yeah, um, you can't beat that. I mean, that's. That's that. That's tough no. to beat. And you and you know, fans. Some of the the, the big songs that came out, um, you know, during '87, like big rock songs, were songs like that. Like you you put them in today and you listen to them, they don't sound old. They don't sound like you know they they're they're almost forty years old. But you had songs like "Talk Dirty to Me," "Poison." You know, we've uh, we've we've talked about about this song on multiple podcasts. Motley Crue, "Girls, Girls, Girls." Um. Billy Idol, Moni Moni, and of course the Georgia Satellites. I mean, they they only had a couple really songs that really you know resonated. But keep your hands to yourself. I mean, come on, that 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 video was a, was such a tremendous hit uh, in '87. Um, and then of course you know you you, you go on and, and you kind of look at at some of the other things. Now something else that this this isn't even hair metal, but here's another song that was that was really popular in '87 that I've I've actually Got to see this song performed live, and it's just as popular today as it was then. And you're going to laugh at this, Chris, but Tiffany's, I think we're alone now. That was a big hit in 87.
0: Oh, my God. Tony, yes, it was. And listen, I saw Tiffany earlier this year.
1: Yeah, in, so in did January, I. In
0: January, she came. She came to the Fillmore.
1: Oh, nice. Well, now fans, fans of the Bench Buster show. Now you can't, you can't judge terrific Tony when I'm about to tell you. I'm about to tell you, but <laughs> last year my wife twisted my arm and talked me in mm-hmm. to taking her to go see New Kids on the Block, and. Oh. So if you can imagine, terrific Tony at a New Kids on the Block show, but but I went and it was like it was New Kids on the Block, um, mm-hmm. Tiffany, uh, Debbie Gibson, who still looks as much as as beautiful today as she did twenty years ago, um, and um, uh, oh man, Salt and pepper. They were there. That's okay. you uh, I mean, do that. I mean, it was it was a tremendous uh, uh, and, and oh, and naughty by nature, and it was such a great. I mean, you know, when when of course for us when we hear new kids on the block, we're like, okay, yeah, whatever, that music sucks, but seeing them live and seeing how all the bands and all the artists interacted because like the, the, the name of that tour was called the mixtape tour. So it was just like a mixtape. It wasn't like, okay, new kids are, go, are going on last. And no, it wasn't like that. New kids came out, they sang one song, then they left the stage and then Tiffany came oh, on and she did. Yeah. And, and it was re- re- literally a mixtape concert where, and, and listen to that songs took me back to my childhood and i was so i told my wife i said thank you for um asking me to take you to this show because it really took me back to my childhood and to a lot of great memories and and that's and that's one of the things i love the most about music because it doesn't matter where you're at what kind of mood you're in or what with me if i hear a certain song man it takes me back to a happy time in life or, or, or an event that I, I was at or, you know, something, but, but, I, but music is like a time machine for a lot of people. And it's for me for it, sure.
0: It, it is. Boy, I'm, I'm, I'm <laughs> Tiffany. I actually saw her in January here in Charlotte at the, at the Fillmore. It might've been even early February. Um, and, uh, um, she sang three songs. Oh <laughs> yeah. I went down there anyway to see her and hey, yeah. looked great. Obviously not the Tiffany of the 80s, but, yeah, she did. I yeah, she's not, one of the she's not 15 no
1: more now. She's like 45. No, no, no. But, but, no. Hey, but, but, but a still test, a good show. Yeah,
0: it was an awesome show. And, hey, people had MTV shirts on, and they were dressed up in spandex in the 80s. And, and that, those were the times. And, hey, a testament to Bon Jovi, five weeks at number one, and they had some competition that year. You two... With or Without You was three weeks. Um, even Heart with Alone, which was a very dark song, song for them, mm-hmm. um, was, was was three weeks for Ann and Nancy Wilson. And then here's another one, another three-weeker at number one in 87, Los Lobos with La Bamba, which was huge.
1: Huge, and and, and not, not only that song was huge, but so was the movie. I mean, that that, that movie, <laughs> La Bamba, the, 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 the story of Richie Valens, man I still I still watch that show and, and you know one of for, for me Chris I watch movies and and certain movies have classic lines that you'll always remember and sometimes you might take those those lines and and, mm-hmm. and insert it on a, in a conversation with one of your friends and immediately they they know that you're talking about whatever movie but in La Bamba, there's this, there's a this scene where his his stepbrother is talking to Richie and he says, "Richie, man, you always got that guitar with you, man. You." And Richie goes, "Yeah, I even sleep with it." And he goes, "With yeah. no hole." <laughs> I thought that was great. <laughs> Absolutely, yeah. But it was great. Exactly. I mean, a great, a, a great, a great movie uh, that that basically told the story of Richie Valens. And man, in the fifties, you know, I wasn't born yet, neither were you. But just going back and watching and and seeing some of these mm-hmm. songs by Richie Valens, man, if he hadn't been killed in that car wreck, he, he might've been as popular as Elvis.
0: The potential was there.
1: Yeah, for the potential sure.
0: potential was there. The opportunity was there. I mean, it's like you would never know. I mean, you just never know, but it makes you think a little bit at the same time.
1: Yeah. Yeah, for you know, sure.
0: What, 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 what it potentially could have been.
1: I mean, you know, 1987, uh, pop culture, music, movies, like, like we said earlier, uh, so, so, I mean, we could do a whole podcast for two hours if we wanted to, and just break down these songs. But I mean, I, I, I definitely want to want to get to our to our to the wrestling part because most of our fans here at the Binge Buster Show are wrestling fans, but also. Our, our, our fans are a lot like are a lot like you and i chris our, our two favorite things in this world is going to be rock and roll and wrestling and that's kind of what our yeah. podcast all, as covers and what i like to cover each and every week and because it, it's a passion for me a passion for you and and uh and of course we we, we want to hopefully um on on the podcast that we don't have guests that we we hope that uh, we can entertain you but not only entertain you but educate people uh, some of the younger listeners or some of the older listeners that, that may not even realize some of the things that happened, uh, in these years and, uh, or, you know, bring back memories, you know, kind of the way it does for you and I, um, but, but some, some, some great songs, um, any, any other, uh, songs or albums that, that, that you recall from 87 that, that, uh, that, uh, kind of stand out in your mind.
0: Boy, he- you know, we kind of touched upon them all. You know, we, we did talk obviously about you know a couple of you know shows back about you two off the Joshua Tree tour of '87. Um, you know, you know, I will say there was one song on there, and we haven't touched about it uh, this evening. That did uh, was at number one for one week. But every woman loves this song, and if they don't love this song, I don't know if they do. But Gregory Abbott one week was number one in 1987 with that song shake you down
1: shake you down and yes mm-hmm.
0: and that is like the
1: <laughs> r&d like, uh, it's a song that says hey baby song for the ladies and, uh, that's like hey baby at that. <laughs> that's kind of like you know you know back back in the 70s everybody's like put on some Barry white but no mm-hmm. in the 80s you you, you you put that song on, you, you invite your girl over, you turn on the fireplace, you turn down the lights, you put that song on, and hey, baby, it's Space Mountain all night long. <laughs> you
0: know what I mean? There it is. I'm glad you made me bring this one up, Tony, because I know we talk so much on, on the rock and pop, but that was a great song. Oh, it man, was. It was a great I mean, video, too, on MTV as well. I yeah. mean, great exposure for him.
1: Yeah, um, yeah, for sure. As, as and, well, and... Uh, and uh, and Chris, I'll I'll tell you another one that that I liked too. Uh, back then was um, I just seen it a couple minutes ago. Oh yeah, Kim wild. you keep me hanging on. That video was tremendous.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I mean it was great exposure both for bands and even for single musicians that that didn't have bands behind them. They were really just you know working off of MTV and and videos and and. They were putting together creative. Uh, they had great producers and creative people behind them, and they were really just promoting themselves or bands, and, and that's just the way it was back then. Much much different than mm-hmm. today. And
1: uh, and and Chris, I'll I'll tell you I'll tell you something else that they're really um I, I like like to touch on too before we move on to uh, to our to our main event of the Binge Buster Show, but. Even in '87, some of the songs that were popular, like in the '50s and '60s, were like making a comeback and be reintroduced yeah. to the world. And and I think, like in my opinion, the uh, number one old song that become new again uh, by the same artist was. Benny King's "Stand by Me" because that you know when when that movie came out and then that song was was right. was re released. I mean, I never heard it until I heard it then, and and, and I started singing it. And my dad goes, "That's an old song." But like, no, it ain't. It just came out. Was, no, that song was out when I was. And so uh, it makes sense. And and even I mean, and 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 that's that's what I'm talking about. I'm like. In '87, it was so Talk about great some because royalties. yeah, oh yeah, yeah, <laughs> and and I I I would I would beg this I would I would argue this with anybody, but I bet Benny King made more money off of that song in '87 than he did when it first came out.
0: You don't see that today. No, nope. just don't see mm-hmm. that so anymore. Nope, you just don't. Not unless, at all. Well, we did a little bit with rap. But the guy goes round and round. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. back. But you know what I'm saying,
1: right? Yeah, yeah, for sure. I mean, but it's, you just uh,
0: don't see it on mainstream radio anymore. No, like we were seeing it back then in, in the mid to late '80s, even early '90s. It just doesn't happen, any it's just not in that business model anymore.
1: No, it's it's definitely uh, it's definitely a whole lot different than what it used to be. That's for sure. All right fans, well, we're we're going to take another quick break and when we come back, we're coming back with the with the big event of 1987, WrestleMania 3 coming up right after this.
0: This week's classic flashback.
1: All right fans, welcome back to the Binge Buster show. Uh Chris and I just got done breaking down 1987's pop culture and music and all that great stuff and great memories there. And now uh we are gonna be talking about the big event, WrestleMania 3. That was a tremendous, tremendous uh event for the WWE. Uh it was their third annual WrestleMania pay-per-view. Uh, produced by the World Wrestling Federation at the time, now WWE. It was held on March the 29th, 1987, just a few days after my birthday. It was held at the Pontiac Silverdome in Pontiac, Michigan, with an attendance of 93,173 people, 12 matches on the card, with the main event featuring WWF World Champion Hulk Hogan defending against the 8th Wonder of the World, Andre the Giant, what a tremendous, tremendous event this was! It grossed on the, the, uh, the, the door. They they drew 1.6 million, but off pay-per-view sales, 10.3 million dollars. What a money-making event this was, Chris. WrestleMania three, man. What is your thoughts,
0: Tony? Um, when when you look back at the history of professional wrestling from a uh, you know, a pay-per-view standpoint, a closed-circuit television standpoint. Um, you know, you know. Today, obviously, with a lot of live streaming going on, this was the pinnacle for not only the WWF, but I think also it was pivoting to where wrestling was going in um, in other federations, other alliances out there of where the industry was going. And this was the event that Vince McMahon was going to make the premier event that we were going to be the leader in the professional wrestling industry. I mean, 93,000 people in the Pontiac Silverdome, a million watching on closed-circuit television, and millions watching on pay-per-view. This was it was much bigger, even than the WWF. I think when you take a, a half step back and look at things.
1: Yeah, you know, WrestleMania one was eh, it was it was a big event. It was something new. WrestleMania two, you know, they uh, took that one and 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 broadcast it from from two two different to from uh, two two different cities, which they kind of took that idea, I believe, from Jim Crockett Promotions because they they were doing the StarCades. One from Greensboro, one from Atlanta. They, you know, they, uh, they, uh, done that a couple of years. But when they actually
0: three cities, Tony, three cities, three that cities. WrestleMania that's
1: right. That's right. Yeah. That's right. You're, you're right, Chris. I'd forgot about the, about, about the third one. Yeah. But, but when, but when they done WrestleMania three, they put it all in one building and they right. put everything on the line and they put two of the largest draws in this, in, and at the time in professional wrestling, Andre the Giant and Hulk Hogan, they put them, them two together. Um, and, and they really, really, I mean, they, 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 they broken the tennis record and they made a lot of money and they also introduced us to a lot, of, a, a, a lot of really cool stuff, but we'll get more into it as we break down these matches. But even though the, the show was billed Hulk Hogan and Andre, Let's, let's make no, no bones about it. Macho Man Randy Savage and Ricky the Dragon Steamboat, they stole WrestleMania III. Uh Yes.
0: Yeah. If you watched the pay-per-view from beginning to end um, or the video back then, yes, absolutely. And I don't know if anyone even going into the show would have thought, that they would have blew the whole card away. I, I mean, because the, the card from top to bottom, you're like, okay, when you kind of look at it, it's like, okay, there were some rivalries going on at this time. Some guys were actually even somewhat fading out in their career with the WWF yeah. back then, and, and and some guys were coming in. There was just a lot of different storylines going into it. And, and then, obviously, the blockbuster main event, which was showcased as I think a lot to a lot of people, and we talked about this earlier, Tony, was that this was Hulk Hogan and Andre's maybe first match ever, you know, coming into this pay-per-view where they actually, you know, did take on each other in other promotions and other parts of, of the world prior to. But me leading into it, it was the immortal Hulk Hogan going up against the unstoppable, object of the eighth wonder of the world, Andre the Giant.
1: Yeah, um, and, and, and what a lot of people don't know about this, um, I have I have heard on, on other shows, was um, Hogan didn't know who was going to go over uh, in this match uh, up until right before the match because Andre shut himself up in his dressing room. He didn't speak to nobody. He wouldn't speak to Vince. He wouldn't speak to Hogan. He wouldn't speak to nobody until right before the match and then that's when they knew what the finish was going to be because Andre never would he never agreed on putting Hogan over so they even went out and i believe that's the same year that that they went out and made this what the 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 Andre they they it the Andre um, version of the World Wrestling Federation title uh, of course they they made that belt and never used it other than take pictures and show videos of it on television but um, you know a, a great a great um, storyline leading up to this WrestleMania three. You know they have uh, Hogan out there on uh, on the Snake Pit or Piper's Pit, whatever it was, and Andre comes out and he's joined Bobby the Brain Heenan and he rips off the, the you know the gold chain off of Hogan. I mean it's great great storytelling. Uh, sold tickets, but at the end of the day, the match sold tickets, but the match to me wasn't the match of Randy Savage and. Ricky steamboat though, those, those two guys really brought everything to the table during that match. But uh, WrestleMania three, we had 12 huge matches. We started off with a tag team match. Uh, the, the newly uh, formed team of the can am connection, Rick Martel and Tom Zink against Bob Orton and the magnificent Morocco with Mr. Fuji. Um, that match lasted about five minutes. And then we go to a singles match. Um, Billy Jack Haynes uh versus uh Hercules with Bobby Heenan. Uh then then here was the match that that real that really uh got me, Chris. And I'm gonna get your take on this one. It was a six-man mm-hmm. uh back then we called them midgets. Today we call them little people. But you had right. Haiti Kid, Hillbilly Jim, and Little Beaver uh against King Kong Bundy. Little Tokyo, and Lord Littlebrook. And at the end of the night, all the, uh, the midgets turned on King Kong Bundy and joined up with Hillbilly Jim. <laughs> Remember this? Yeah.
0: You, you know, God, I mean, you know, you know, Tony, when I look at this match, and, and the first two matches were respectable on the show, they were the openers, but, you know, I felt so bad. Even as a teenager, for King Kong Bundy who main evented WrestleMania two in a cage against Hulk Hogan mm-hmm. is now a year later in the third match with Hillbilly Jim who was a was a you know the hillbilly country guy gimmick with the horseshoe around his neck and the chain yep. with a bunch of midgets running around the ring. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I mean <laughs> I just don't know how you but it, it was a comical match, mm-hmm. but I, I really felt bad for him because Bundy was just so over in the WWF, and then this was Vince McMahon, you know, moving guys along in, in their careers and things that were happening. And but hey, Bundy, I think took one for the team for this show.
1: Yeah, <laughs> he did. He say. did do that. Now uh, I want to I want to give some of you binge buster listeners and Chris, uh, you, you may or may not know this story. But um, several years ago, I was on a show, and um, they they had a midget match on the show. Okay, uh, the only problem was they had a midget match, but only had one midget. The other one, didn't, the other one didn't show up. Okay, I walk in the building. I'm walking in the building. Uh, the promoter grabs me. As a matter of fact, it was uh, it was uh, our guest from last week, um, Matt Houston. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. him and another guy were uh, were uh, co promoting a show together. We walk in. He says, Tony, man, brother, how's it going? What do you want, man? I know you want something because you're being really What do you know? What do you need, man? And he says, brother, listen, uh, we got a little problem, but you are the man to fix it. I'm like, okay, what do you you got? He goes, okay, so you know the midget match we got going on? I said, yeah. He goes, well, the problem is we only got one midget. I'm like, okay, where do I figure in on this? He goes, well, me and the guys in the back and a lot of the workers were like scratching their heads going, what can we do to, to, to have to have this midget do something and we can get paid and at least, you know, earn his money? And he goes, and then we look over and you walking in the door and his, his partner promoter goes, brother, if anybody in this building can get that midget over, it's terrific, Tony. <laughs> and I said, okay, I know what you want. No problem, and so I go over there. And, and I know
0: Tony, you had the biggest smile on your. Oh, face I was like, like, okay, we're gonna have some fun with this. This is tonight. gonna
1: be great, you know. And and like me and and the midget guy uh, wrestler, uh, we 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 both were old school. We thought old school, and he said, brother, he says, I'll do whatever you want me to do, and I, and you do the same. And I said, okay. So we didn't really talk about about what we were gonna do. So we get out there and we're doing a few spots and. And it just, you know, you know me, Chris, I like to have fun. I like to joke and, and, and pull ribs. So I tell the, I tell the guy, I'm like, Hey brother, uh, when I, when I, when I charge you move and give me a hip toss, he said, you're going to hip toss me. I said, no, you're going to hip toss me. And he goes, Oh, that ain't going to look good. I said, it's going to look fantastic. I'm a fly in the air for you. Come on, let's do it. And so as, as we do it, He, um, we do the spot and he hip tosses me. I said, get it again. He says, you're crazy. I said, hip toss me again. He hip tosses me the second time I go down. I look at the ref. I said, ref, you're next. I run to the ref, the ref hip tosses me. The place is going insane. And, uh, the midget guy goes, brother, I ain't never gave anybody a hip toss in my life. (laughs) He said, you were up in the lights. I said, yeah, I said, I had to do it. It was fun. Um, but it, but it was a good time, you know. I enjoyed it. It was funny, uh, and of course, I you know after I had done it, I didn't even you know th- th- this match didn't even cross my mind uh, because there were so many spots in this match I could have stole, but I didn't. I just kind of you know I done my own thing and he done his thing, and it was it was comedy. It was funny, and uh, Chris, I even let him pin me. And it, was just, it was just tremendous, and he thanked me for it. He goes, he brother, he goes, I appreciate you doing that for me. He said. He said, "I don't think there's any other guy in this world that that would have dropped a pin to me." And I said, "Hey, I said we're all here to not only make money but to have fun." I said, "And the people, were, the the people were not expecting you to win." to win so why not you win to blow them away and he goes yeah i like your thinking so um it, it, it was fun though i enjoyed it but uh <laughs> it was it was a lot of fun i wish i had that on video i i do have some pictures if some of you fans want to go back and and like the uh terrific tony fan page uh if you like that page go through and there's actually pictures on there of him giving me the hip toss it was it was, it was, it was tremendous i loved it but uh and
0: that's a awesome. Yeah. That's, hey, and only so many guys out there because, hey, I, I, I wrestled a midget in the ring.
1: Right. Yeah. I mean, not not, not many people. Can, <laughs> not hey, many let, le, that. Let, let me tell you people something, okay? This, this is how committed I am to the wrestling business, okay? And the 27 years I've been lacing up my boots, I have not only wrestled guys bigger than me, younger than me, older than me, dumber than me, but I have also wrestled midgets and I have wrestled a couple females in my time. And I ain't talking about the females after the show. I'm talking about during the show. And (laughs) (laughs) it's been, so I have, I have, I have done it all. I have done it all, my friends.
0: and, And Tony, you have done it all. And I, and I know your philosophy always, when you walk through the door, no matter how big the building is, how small the building is, what's going on. It's always about the show. At the end of the day,
1: it's about the people. And I know that, that's your you know, a lot going. of people have, you know, paid their their hard-earned money to come be entertained, and I'm not going to be one of those guys that goes out there and tells the promoter, "Well, I ain't going out there and wrestle a girl. I'm not going to wrestle this guy. No, I, you, you want me to do it? Well, I'm going to I'm going to make sure. I you might be putting me in a match that probably ain't you know, people are going to think is funny, but but I'm going to do my best. To be the most entertaining match on the show, <laughs> when they leave, they're they're gonna remember that they're, they're, they 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 you know, the guys that are killing themselves with barbed wire, baseball bats, and bleeding all over the place, they might think about that match. But when they leave, they're gonna say that match was crazy. But that terrific Tony guy, he he entertained me. He was funny, and and that right. that's always been my mindset because that's what Jimmy Valiant taught me when I went to his wrestling school. Was like you know he says you know if you be different than everybody else. So if you got guys out there with black hair, make your hair blonde. If you got guys out there wearing black, wear white. Always stand out, look different from everybody else, and give the people what they came to see. And that's and that's always been my philosophy. That's what was taught to me, and and I you know and I try to you know try to transcend that on every show I'm on, you know when I can. But getting back to WrestleMania three, because this ain't this ain't. Terrific, Tony at three. This is WrestleMania three, and the next match on there, uh, Chris, uh, th- th- this match was kind of like one of those matches where I-, I would like to saw him with somebody else, but handsome Harley Race versus the mm-hmm. Junkyard Dog. Loser must bow to the to the loser. I mean, loser must bow to the winner. Um, of course, uh, Harley ends up winning, but of course, Junkyard gets the, the final laugh at the end. He takes the, the the you know the the robe and the crown. But um, four minute match. What's your yeah. thoughts, Chris?
0: I mean, yeah, they, this was they were still doing they were doing the King Harley race. Um, you know, Angle into this, this match. Fabulous Moolah was it was you know escorting Harley race raced the ring. Bobby Heenan. You had JYD. JYD did the bow. It was a four-minute match. Um, You know, Harley, at this point of his career, was in his (laughs) mid-40s. So, I mean, you know, at at, at this point, you know, it, it, it is what it is, but a little cliff note here. Immediately after this match, they took it backstage, and Vince McMahon interviewed Hulk Hogan to set up the match with Andre that evening with the storyline of that interview that Hogan was the champion for three years, but there was still a lot of doubt at that point. Andre going to this match. So a quick match to go to a really a pivotal interview for, for the main event, if it was staged that way. But Harley race was the winner and, 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 and remained the king.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and I enjoyed the match. I mean, it was very entertaining to me. Mm-hmm. Uh, I love seeing, uh, uh Harley throw that headbutt, and now you, you know you got you got Andre. um sorry, Harley raced with the headbutt, and then you got Junker Dog with his headbutt. So it was almost like the battle of the right. headbutts, but uh, but uh, it, it, I you know it was it was still a fun match to watch. Um, taking us now to our next match. That, now this this was a team that I, that at the time was 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 one of my favorite teams in the WWF, um, the Dream Team, Brutus the Brutus Beefcake wasn't the barber yet. But Brutus Beefcake and Greg the Hammer Valentine, um, and uh, and Dino Bravo uh, and Johnny on in their corner uh, against the 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 Rougeau brothers. Uh, of course, the uh, dream the uh, dream team wins uh, four minutes three seconds. Um, then we go to a hair versus hair match and they build this as uh, Rowdy Roddy Piper's final match. And he done this match. And of course he left and went and, and went and made a few movies before he made his, made his return. But a uh, Rowdy Roddy Piper against um, adorable Adrian Adonis with Jimmy mouth, of the South heart. Um, then from there, we go to a six man tag team match, dangerous Danny Davis and the heart foundation, uh, against the British Bulldogs and Tito Santana, uh, you know, a, a fun match to watch, uh, Butch Reed against Coco beware. Um, and of course, Butch Reed wins that match and then takes us to the match of WrestleMania, uh, Ricky, the dragon steamboat with George, the animal steel in his corner against the intercontinental heavyweight champion. And, th- and at the time, Randy Savage had been the intercontinental champion for, for some time. Um, with Miss Elizabeth. And this was the match that stole WrestleMania. Um, Chris, what can we say about this match that we haven't already?
0: I, I, I mean, Tony, it, wow. I, I mean, Savage at this point of his career was, was just so over at this point. It, you know, he was, he had the look, he had everything. He had the woman by his side and Miss Elizabeth, who was the hottest thing. And, 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 probably the, the biggest female in professional wrestling at that point. And you're going, you know, Ricky Steamboat, you know, his technical skills, it just worked with this match. You know, Savage, you know, he had so much skill at this point. He knows how to work the match. And, and you know, coming in, it was, uh, you know, I don't know. The thing is this. When you look at the whole card, I just don't know if people knew going into this show that this was going to steal the show. Yeah. You know, where the match is placed on the show is really interesting because there's two other matches after that before the main event. I mean, but Savage was just so over um, at this point. I mean, um, and I even got to tell you something that you don't even know this, Tony. Okay. My mom is a gigantic wrestling fan, and she still is today, in her seventies. Back then, she loved Macho Man Randy Savage over Hogan,
1: Oh, just yeah. because
0: of his image and who he mm-hmm.
1: was. <laughs> yeah, and and, he and,
0: had the, you know, and look, I mean, you just had this look to him. Yeah, that appealed to the females.
1: Yeah, and and you know, one of the things. Um, as everyone you may know, you may not know, but I have a pair of um, custom-made uh, Austin Hall cowboy boots, um, and I have I found a a picture of Randy Savage. This was after he had won the uh, WWF World Title, but there's a picture of him um, holding the belt uh, in his not wrestling attire, but just plain blue jeans. But he's wearing a pair of those same boots, kind of similar to mine, Austin Hall cowboy boots. He's got them on, and, and he's, he's in this, this, this picture. And I found this picture the other day, and I was like, oh, my gosh, Randy's wearing boots like mine. And and then I went back and noticed that a, a, lot, a lot of his um, – Attire that he wore outside the ring uh were definitely several pairs of Austin Hall cowboy boots. Of course, his was made out of patent leather, and a lot of them he wore on TV. But this particular pair I'm talking about, where he was sitting on a pier, holding the world title belt, kind of glaring up in the air, like, man, I've got the whole world in my hands, kind of thing. And and, but he's wearing a pair of those boots and i'm like man everybody had those awesome hall boots they were so popular they were so great and i'm, I'm thankful that i actually own two pair of them um in my in my time in my life i've actually owned about six pair but i've uh seen fit to uh, to sell the other ones and make a little money and so um but i but i've got two pair and i still have those in in my um in my closet i still wear those from time to time to shows and and uh, matter of fact chris a couple of concerts that you and i have attended together i've wore those i know you've seen them a few times and and uh, they're always a uh, great attention grabbers and uh just beautiful boots and so if, if you people don't know anything about austin hall boots uh all those boots that you saw like guys like dusty rose and mam ta and barry Wyndham wear that that those are austin hall boots and uh Uh, not, not, not many people today have them and not, not people, not, not many people know about them, but they were the best boots that you could ever buy. I mean, they were just all, they were custom made and they were extravagant looking and you know, they're beautiful, beautiful boots. Um, and uh, and like I said, I own two pairs. So, uh, that's great, but enough about boots. Now we let's move on with the show. If
0: if there is one thing I could say, Tony, about this match, Mm -hmm. you know, people works so hard at the fifteen-minute mark, wins the title. Yeah, doesn't really hold it that long.
1: No, loses
0: no. it to the Honky Tonk Man. Yeah, um, you, you know, several months later, and then makes his jump to the NWA with the legendary matches with the Nature Boy Ric Flair.
1: Yep. Well, you,
0: you know, off of this match, I mean, which was kind of interesting in Steamboat's career because his, his career was interesting. In the mid to
1: late '80s. Yeah, well, you know, I have been on a few shows with with uh, with uh, with Steamboat, and I actually asked him about that one night, and I said, Ricky, I said, you know, I said they they built you, you know, they they built your feud up with Jake Roberts, they built your feud up with uh, Randy Savage. You finally get the Intercontinental Title, you hold it just a few months, and then you drop it to Honky Tonk Man. I said, uh, you know, what happened? He said, my wife got pregnant. And I told Vince I needed yeah. time off. And if, and, and he said, well, in order to get the time off, you're going to have to give up the belt. And he said, okay, that's fine. I give up the belt because my family's more important. So that's the reason why, uh, yeah. Steamboat didn't hold the, the Intercontinental title very long was because, you know, he went off and, 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 um, and, and, and had his son. And, 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 and Chris, it's amazing how this world goes around. But, um, I've actually uh, got to be on a few shows with uh, with uh, Ricky's uh, son uh, Richie, and uh, he's just like his daddy—very humble, very quiet, you know, reserved guy. <laughs> yeah. um, but I tell you a funny story: uh, was uh, you know, I, I, my 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 real job, my shoot job, I, I work in the school system, and uh, just so happens the school I work at uh word got out hey you know that tony guy's a wrestler so the principal calls me in the office one day and he says hey i need to talk to you i was like okay he goes um uh so so you do this wrestling thing and i'm like yeah i've been doing it for a long time he goes oh i think it's pretty cool he said you know we used to have a uh a wrestler's son used to go here and i said oh yeah he goes yeah he goes uh you know a uh a uh, ricky steamboat and i said yeah he goes well his son richie went to school here and i said oh he goes yeah he says uh he said he was he, he he was a heck of a wrestler, and I said yeah. So well, you know, he went on and we we talked about it. So, and so years later, when I'm on the show with with Richie, I tell him and say, you know, I, I I work at the school you used to go to, and he's like, oh, that's so that's, that's amazing, sir. And he's calling me sir, and I'm like having to look up this guy because he's so tall. And I'm like, you ain't got to call me sir, just call me Tony. We're we're on the same page here, man. But uh, but it's funny how, how 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 the world goes around like that. You you, you know you idolize Ricky, and then now you you, you get to to know his kid, and it's like his his son's the same as he was, you know, uh, very very laid back and everything. So I thought that was really cool. And uh, you were talking about the Honky Tonk Man. Well, the Honky Tonk Man was actually on the uh, WrestleMania three. Uh, Honky Tonk Man with Jimmy Hart against Jake the Snake Roberts with Alice Cooper, Chris. Uh. Here, here we got two of our favorite things, wrestling and rock and roll, all in, all in one match. Um, and, of course, leading up to this match, uh, we talked about this before uh, on my podcast when I actually had Jake the Snake Roberts on my show. But he talks about this. They, he sent uh, the, the production company supposedly was sent out to get a guitar to break over uh, uh, Jake Roberts' head. But they go out. They don't buy a cheap guitar. They buy a really good guitar. And so whenever, and they didn't gimmick it. So when Jake, when uh, Honky Tonk goes to hit Jake, the Jake, the the drum, the guitar doesn't break. But <laughs> and actually, what it does, it hurt. Actually, really hurts Jake Robertson. Hurt hurt a few uh. of his, his vertebrae in his neck because he hit him so hard with it. Um, and of course, you know, he took a little time off to get better. But he had enough time to get better and come back uh, and and face the Honky Tonk man. Uh, here at um, at WrestleMania, Do, any any uh, remembrance or thoughts on this match, Chris?
0: <sighs> I you know I kind of wonder what was going through both wrestlers' minds walking to the ring, trying to follow <laughs> the match prior. Oh yeah, uh, unbelievable! I, I, you, you know because. The match prior stole the show. Yeah. And here we are. Okay, Jake Roberts with Snake. Okay, Honky tonk Tonk's gonna do his thing. Yeah, he had Alice Cooper. I'm ready for <laughs> schools out for summer, aren't you? Yeah. Um. You know, it's it's you, you know, it's you know, like where's this match going? Um. You know, we're trying to get to the main event. You know, I don't know if Jake Roberts has the most <laughs> fastest guy in the ring. Um, just trying to follow the match before, you know, how this was booked, I don't know. But, you know, it it was a match. Honky Tonk came out on top. Um, obviously, Jake got some revenge at the end with the snake and everything. But, um, boy, I, I don't know. It's kind of like just, um, you know, I don't just know where, you know, overall in their careers where they were. I mean, late in their careers, um, I don't know. It's just it's, it's kind of a a gimmick to me just with the guitar Alice Cooper Honky Tonk Man yeah he's got a lot going on in this match
1: yeah a lot going on you know? uh, and like you said uh, Honky Tonk Man and Jake Roberts both both solid workers I mean right I I can't say enough about Jake Roberts this this guy um, it, it, he's always thinking uh, his psychology in the wrestling business is bar none. Um, But, uh, you know, putting them right after the Jake uh, Ricky Steamboat Randy Savage match is definitely, definitely hard to follow, Um, which takes us to the next match. That would be even more hard to follow Um, the Iron Sheik and Nikolai Volkov uh, with their new manager slick against the killer bees. B. Brian Blair jumping Jim Brunzel. Uh, and of course, Iron Sheik and Nikolai Volkov—they—they—they uh, they, they, they go over in this match. This match lasts five minutes, forty-four seconds. This is like the match before um, the big—the big match. Now, if I was booking this show, I would have put Ricky Steamboat and George, uh, Ricky Steamboat and Randy Savage, uh, right before the the main event. But I can see why they didn't, because I think Vince kind of knew. Uh, which match was going to steal the show? But during this time, he was going with the bigger guys, and that's the reason why we got Hogan and Andre in the main event. Uh, speaking of Hogan and Andre, this match is the big match, the the main event of WrestleMania three. This is a match that everyone came to see. At least that's what they built it as. Uh, Twelve minutes one second. Hulk Hogan retaining the WWF world championship over Andre the giant with Bobby, the brain Heenan. And incidentally, this, this, this right here would have probably been Andre's final ride. Cause I think after that, they, uh, they actually did put him in a tag team with uh, Haku. And then they kind of feuded with demolition the following year. But Chris, the main event, WrestleMania three Hulk Hogan, Andre the giant. What is your thoughts?
0: I mean, this whole pay-per-view was set up as bigger, better, batter was the was the was the title underneath WrestleMania 3. Um, this feud was built up for several months. Bobby Heenan played a, a major role into it. Um obviously got Hogan and Andre. You know, if there's one thing I remember as a kid, and, and a couple things, Tony, I'm not sure if you saw Andre the Giant ever wrestle live in person.
1: No, I, that, that's one thing I, I missed out on. I wish I could have.
0: You know, my fondest memories of Andre in the late 70s, when he came to Connecticut into the 80s, when Andre walked the aisle, he was the biggest guy. Oh, I yeah. Mean, and when it, it, There was no doubt in anyone, and I saw a lot of guys. I saw Haystack Calhoun. I saw Big John Studd. I saw Hogan in person. Andre was the tallest, and that's the way it was, and that's the way this match was built up. And And, you know, when I look at it, you know, Hogan I think was even still a little tentative going into this, you know, this was kind of, we're going to pass the baton. Andre was going to pass the baton to Hogan. You are the champion. Hogan was in his third year as WWF champion at this point in front of the largest crowd on the grandest stage imaginable of 93,000 and millions watching around the world. You know, And Andre knew, I think at the end of the day, what was best for the business moving forward you know in the, in this match and and for hogan this was going to catapult him even you know much more much more beyond um what it was the the the, the hype was probably a whole lot more than what the match was
1: uh, right in yeah. the
0: ring because andre was really at the tail end of his career you know at this point you know he, when you think about it, he did stay on to the wwe a couple more years but it was really the tail end of his career um you know, compared to where Hogan was in his career at this time.
1: Yeah. Yeah, for sure. I mean, it was a, but it, but it was definitely a, uh, a, a solid, um, a solid show, great matches, great memories. Um, You know, I, I, um, I remember as a kid, you know, we, we didn't get pay-per-view where I live, but, uh, if, you right. couple, if, if you waited a couple, but if you waited a month after WrestleMania, it came out on DVD and you could go to the local. Uh, and at the time here in Thomasville, where I lived blockbuster hadn't made its appearance yet. So we had like, like these little local yokel uh, video stores. And I remember we had this little store called the uh, mm-hmm. news center and you could go in and buy magazines, but then they started like renting, um, you know, the, the VHSs. And I remember, but but they they would only have, like, one copy of everything. So they had, like, one Starcade, one right. <laughs> WrestleMania. Uh, and if you didn't get there early, you didn't get it. And But I remember I had to go there several weeks, and then finally the guy's like, well, you know, you, if, if you want, you, you can uh, pay a dollar and reserve it. And when it comes in, I'll just call you. Come get it. So that's what I did. And uh, so I finally, you know, mm-hmm. I finally, you know, Actually, got to watch the uh, the, uh, the 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 uh, WrestleMania three on, on VHS and uh, and it was just as good as as, as they you know, played up on television as me as the little kid watching it and I enjoyed it and and it's still like like one of my favorite WrestleManias of all time just because of of uh, Ricky Steamboat and uh, Randy Savage but all in all a a, a great I, show
0: and if there's one thing I can say and there's certain lines Tony I think there's certain lines we all remember whether it's music movies sports whatever it may be entertainment mm-hmm. if there's one line i could remember from wrestlemania 3 is and i still remember to this day i was i my dad took me we watched it on closed circuit television in, in connecticut we went that that sunday afternoon late afternoon to the evening gorilla monsoon Andre was in the ring with Bobby Heenan, and they hit Hogan's music, a real American, and that place yep. went off the hook. And when Hogan hit the curtain, Gorilla Monsoon said 93,000-plus are greeting the heavyweight champion of the world, and here's Hogan coming, he's spinning, and, and Hogan walked. He did not take the, 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 the golf cart to the ring. He walked that aisle all the way to the ring, yeah. and that place... Went ballistic, and when he said ninety three thousand, I'm like, "Wow, we're watching something special here."
1: Yeah, definitely. I so, mean, and
0: then, and you're, you're at that point. There's just certain lines, and I always remember Gorilla Monsoon timed that line perfectly when he hit the curtain and yeah to the crowd.
1: That and then, and then and then another thing that sticks out in my mind too was Bobby Heenan. You know, of course, he managed to only Ten guys on every show, but <laughs> yeah. uh, but
0: he had the whole stable in the locker room.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah, but uh, but and Bobby always wore a black coat out. Or but mm-hmm. there for that for that last match there with Andre, he he wore that white suit and it just I mean it just it just made it made Andre kind of to, to my opinion made Andre stand out and made it look like Andre is the big deal. Bobby's got the white suit on and it's just I mean it it, it was tremendous.
0: Yeah, I mean, you know, and, and, and at the end of the day, it, it worked. And, you know, the biggest thing about this particular pay-per-view was, um, you know, I wasn't really a big fan of the WrestleManias following this one, the, the, the next couple, because this one was so big. It was like, how do you top this? And I think that was the biggest thing maybe not issue for the WWF back then, but it was kind of a problem too, because it was, it was a blockbuster from a fan standpoint. And and, and where are you going with things? And guys are moving in and out and, you know, you had the NWA doing their thing down here. And that's when guys started moving around too, was kind of after this pay-per-view, you started seeing some of that shift in, in, in allegiances and who's working for who and things like that.
1: Yeah, it was definitely a uh, a uh, definite uh, uh, definite thing for him to um uh, uh, to, to wear that suit out because it it was just it was just it was it was it was a great show. I I thoroughly thoroughly enjoyed it.
0: I will say this: off of WrestleMania three, the popularity grew even more of just wrestling around the world and. So many other people made more money, just from the casual wrestling fan that would watch other wrestling and just around the world. I think everyone was capitalizing at this point, and um, it, it was just a great moneymaker at that time and at that generation of, of fans that were watching it.
1: Yeah, yeah, for sure. I mean, it was it was it was a great, uh, like, like I said, a great show. Um, I thoroughly enjoyed it. I, I've enjoyed this week's podcast, Chris. We've we, we've took we've got on our time machine, and we've taken it back to 1987. A great year, uh, a lot of great stuff going on, movies, music, and of course WrestleMania III. Uh, we kind of ran out of time. We didn't really get to talk about any Crockett stuff. Uh, but 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 last week we, i guess we did because last week we were on, on again the great American bash 87 so we we, uh, we done Crockett last year we, we this week we did vince McMahon and WWF um, next week fans tune in I've got we, we've got a big show planned for you uh you're gonna enjoy that Chris any parting words before we um take this ship home Tony, this
0: has been great and uh you know I, I'm just so tickle pink you make me a, a, a part of it every week and uh you know I, I, I love just you know putting my little knowledge and two cents in and and you're you're really taking me back in a time that was very special to me and 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 I really cherish a lot on a just a personal level and hey whether it's rock and roll wrestling pop culture whatever we're talking about it it's all good and uh you know, and, you know, like I said, it was just a great time for, for just me in general. And, um, you know, Hey, let's, let's keep it going. I, I don't know where you're going to throw at me next, but whatever you do, I'll, I'll be ready to catch it and, and, and take the ball and run with it.
1: Yes, sir. It's going to be great. And and by the way, fans, I just want, want, want to tell you fans this before we leave the air tonight. Uh, I've had a lot of people email me and go, man, your, your new entry song, uh, is, is awesome. I love it. Uh, you know who who does this well fans i'm i'm I'll let you in on a little secret the greatest rock and roll band from the Carolinas they uh, do our um our, our uh, intro and outro song uh and i actually had them on my show a few weeks back uh fair warning band from uh from right there from downtown of uh, thomasville north carolina they uh they uh, they they uh, do our entry song the name of that song is called saturday night superstar uh if once this corona thing's over and like definitely go like their facebook page to fair warning band brian hall those, those, those guys really know how to bring a show and chris incidentally years ago i used to do uh combination shows with these guys i would you know they i would bring my wrestling company to these little bars and we would do wrestling for the first two hours and then after that man fair warning to come out and close the show out and tear the place oh. down and uh there, there there wasn't a wife a girlfriend or or a daughter that was safe when the fair warning band came out baby they were ready to the rock and roll
0: town, they? they were
1: back in <laughs> town and when they left the town was on fire and uh but man seriously though uh fair warning is an awesome band thank those guys i want to thank them uh for 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 letting us use their music for our podcast i think it really gives our show a, a, a nice feel uh and again fans Um, go, go like our Facebook page, download us on our, on your favorite podcast, and we'll see you next week on the binge buster show. If you've enjoyed this episode, share it with your friends. Thank
0: you for listening to the binge buster show. Make sure you like us on Facebook and download us on your favorite podcast platform.